Wednesday night was um, quite the night weather-wise. If you were out uh, any on Wednesday night, you knew just how bad it was. All day long, there were predictions for uh, snow showers. The snow showers came and, and, and then some. They also came at a, a most inopportune time. Uh, they came right around the, the evening uh, rush hour. Uh, travel was really quite treacherous and slow going. It was really hard to make your way. Uh, my wife, uh, Cheryl, was uh, caught in that. She stopped at Kroger on her way home from work, and it took her about an hour to get just to the entrance of our neighborhood. She couldn't get up the steep hill into our neighborhood, so she very carefully uh, uh, left the car right off the, the road in, in front of our entrance. At night, after the, the snow had passed, I, I attempted to get the, the car the last little bit in, in uh, back up the hill to the house, and it was uh, simply not to be. The more I tried, the, the deeper the rut, it was just too wet, too snowy to get the car moved without help. The next day, our son uh, John and I uh, uh, gave it a try. It was no easy effort, but we eventually uh, made it up the hill. It is tough getting yourself out of a rut once you find yourself dug in. The interesting thing about uh, ruts is that you, um, you can get in them before you even realize it. And uh, snow and, and bad weather and, and all that comes along with it uh, reminds us of that every time. That is why it is so important to consider the habits that make up our everyday lives. Uh, we have been uh, trying to do that over the, the, the past few weeks. We have considered those habits we need to keep and those we need to get rid of. We have uh, most especially considered those habits we, uh, we need to take on. We have particularly put our focus on those habits that, um, that have to do with our inner lives, our interior lives. Where when the heart is right, then all else falls in line. If our relationship with God is strong, then we'll be able to mete out life and, and, and do so regardless of the things that we face. To date, we have been talking about holy habits, holy habits of prayer, Bible study, and worship. Just last week, we talked about what it means to develop the holy habit of servant leadership. All along, we have sensed God stretching us. Today, we consider the holy habit of, of baptism. As with the, um, the other habits we have been talking about, it too has the potential to draw us closer to God. So let's hear today from God's Word. We read today from Acts, the second chapter, verses 36 through 41. Acts 2, verse, verses 36 through 41. Let's hear this from God's Word. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to, to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is God's word. May it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. Upon the rush of the, the mighty wind of God's Spirit at Pentecost, Peter took to preaching. He broke into a spirit-filled witness of, of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That sort of preaching was characteristic of the early New Testament church. Peter started it right taking place and in their, in, in their very midst. He, he talked of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and then others would pick up that mantle and would begin preaching the same. Every good sermon should have a, a rousing conclusion, and Peter was no different. It would it should offer that, that rousing conclusion, a, a good dose of challenge, and, and even a call for decision. Peter did just that. He called on the people who listened to decide. Those who listened to Peter that day were, were ready to respond. As the scripture says, they were cut to the heart. They were ready to give themselves to Jesus. What shall we do? They, they asked Peter, and Peter responded by saying, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Peter left it with uh, his hearers to respond, and respond was what they, what they did. 3,000 people were added that day, to the kingdom of God, 3,000 souls won to Christ. Those who heard that day were, were called on to repent, to be baptized. And with that, they would then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those who gathered that day were, were challenged to repent. They were challenged to make an about face and seek the Lord in his forgiveness once headed in a direction away from God, those who listened to Peter that day were, were, were challenged to, to turn around, to make a U-turn, a if you will, and to now head God's way. Peter was not the only one who, who spoke of such a repentance. John the Baptist was quick to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus was all about turning people's lives around. He was all about pointing people toward God. Paul preached repent, repentance. If, if anyone did, he, he called people to, to turn their lives toward God through Jesus Christ and pave the way for people to, to, to have a deeper understanding as to how that could take place. 
The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which has to do with the disposition of our hearts and our minds. The call to repent, the call to repentance, is the call to be transformed. Paul writes in, in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be conformed not to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, a metanoia that takes place. Paul also writes in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old is past See, everything has become new. A change of heart and mind, a change of disposition, a change to the place where life is now headed toward God through Christ. That's what happens when we repent. We begin the process of living a whole new way of life. Today it seems as though repentance is a foreign concept. We find ourselves blind to the error of our ways. We have talked ourselves into thinking that we have not really done anything wrong. We, we live complacently in, in the notion that there is fundamentally no reason to do anything different than what we've been doing. And that sort of thing just sort of slips up on us and and we find ourselves living out the same. The truth, though, is that there is a universal need to repent, a universal need to be transformed. Perhaps you're, you're feeling that need, that sort of gnawing deep within. You sense a need to be totally transformed. Frederick Buechner puts it well when he writes, to confess your sins to God is not to tell him anything that he doesn't already know. God already knows. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Buechner goes on, until you confess them, though, they are the abyss between you and God. The wrong of our lives left unconfessed becomes that abyss between ourselves and God. But when we confess those things, they become the bridge between you and God. They become that bridge built between ourselves and God. And that bridge is built by the very thing that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. As we mentioned earlier, we have been talking about developing new habits, habits that draw us closer to God. Be assured then, when our hearts are right, we will find ourselves developing those new habits. Inner health leads to a whole new way of living. So then let's measure our repentance by our reforms. Inner health leading to new life, repentance leading to reform. Those who listen to Peter 
that first Pentecost not only were challenged to make an about-face, challenged to repent and turn to the Lord, they were, they were called on to be baptized. The very thing that would, would mark them as Christian disciples. The waters of baptism pointed them to the wonder-working power of God. The power of God to forgive them and to set them on a brand new course for their lives. Our baptismal liturgy summarizes things this way when it comes to baptism. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. Since the very beginning, baptism has been the very thing that forms our identity as Christians and certainly ties us to one another. Baptism does that. It draws us closer to God. It draws us closer to one another as a community of faith. Our own Bishop Fairley talks all the time about those who have uh, professed their faith in Christ as being water-washed and spirit-born. We just sung about that just a, a, a bit ago. Water-washed, spirit-born. Baptism cements who we are and whose we are. All along, baptism has been a, a sign or a, a seal of the fact that a person was Christian. Those in the early New Testament church who were baptized were, were marked as Christian disciples. They were set aside as being Christian. It's a, baptism is, is a sort of, uh, hello, my name is tag. Hello, I am Christian. And it's written all over who we are and, and what we're about. I love the story told of Timothy and the Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 and following, where the two meet up on the road leading out of Jerusalem, going south on the way to Gaza. Timothy offered a, a compelling witness to the good news about Jesus to that Ethiopian, whereupon the Ethiopian wanted to be baptized wanted to accept, wanted to be set aside as Christian. He was ready to do it. There was a sense of urgency. He, he was ready to be baptized. Look, here's some water, he said. Why, why shouldn't I be baptized? In other words, let's get to it. I am ready to roll. I want to be baptized. I remember years ago while in college, singing in a church, near Bowling Green with a, a gospel group Cheryl and I were, were a part of. A young man gave his life to Christ and wanted to be baptized. And I remember the pastor of the church calling out in the middle of a, of a packed altar, Tom Grebe, get some water, we're going to have a baptism. And I ran and got some water and that baptism took place. Now that is a sense of urgency. I try to live in the reality of my baptism day by day. And I want to encourage you to do the same. It's a wonderful habit to develop. 
You've heard me talk on other occasions about getting caught in the rain and remembering my baptism. You know, as those water, those raindrops come down and they hit you, I, 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 I just recall my baptism. I, I, I remember it as that water, uh, say, flows down my, my forehead. Today would be a perfect day for that to happen. As rain might hit you, that uh, you remember your baptism. I remember uh, running in a half marathon in Naples, Florida a few years back when we came uh, upon a pastor standing out in front of his church, dressed in full vestments, having sort of a, a, a sifter, if you will, and he was throwing water on, on everyone who was running by. Now, you know, most of the folk really didn't know what he was doing, but I, I didn't know what he was doing. He was calling upon us to remember our baptisms. And as I went by, I remember just extending my arms and praising the Lord, remembering my baptism in the middle of that race. Just the other day, walking out the, the front door of our house, I was hit by one single drop of melting snow right here. And I remembered my baptism. And so it comes to us all along to... Uh, to remember our baptism, to, uh, to remember the, the waters of our baptism, and to claim the same, to claim everything, everything that they mean for our lives, that we have been indeed claimed by Christ, that we are his, and as we are his, we are called to have our lives transformed, that we are indeed water-washed, spirit-born, Remember your baptism and be blessed. Remember your baptism and be blessed. As you remember your baptism over and over and over again, may that be a holy habit that you have developed that keeps you close to Christ. That sort of thing is the, the very thing that will, will keep you alive in your true identity, in Jesus. We are called to continually renew our baptism, refreshing not only the memory of that baptism, but taking it on each and every day. And when we do that, we can be well assured that the Holy Spirit will fall afresh on each of us. Our lives will be renewed. We will rejoice in the relationship that is ours in God through Jesus Christ, and we will find ourselves drawing closer and closer to him and find ourselves charged and challenged to draw closer to those who are around us all in the name of Christ. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to such things, there is no, no time, no time like the present. How God is moving in your life is a matter of open-heartedness. As Stephen began this service, uh, he, he challenged all of us, encouraged all of us to have our hearts open 
ready to be filled and not just filled, but filled to the overflowing. How's God moving in your life, driving you toward the, the sort of change and transformation that we're talking about today? The sort of change and transformation that comes when we truly repent of the wrong of our lives and then we submit the same by, by being baptized or by remembering our baptisms and taking them on yet again? How's that going for you? Tom Harris, the author of that great book of quite a few years ago, I'm Okay, You're Okay, talks about three reasons why, why people change. First, people change when it is more painful to remain as they have been. Pain is a strong motivator. Second, people change when at the point of desperation. Reaching rock bottom is a great motivator. And many have reached that point in their lives and they can do no other but turn to God as the very hope and comfort of their lives. Third, people change when they encounter what, uh, what Harris calls the eureka moment. People discover sometimes in most surprising ways something much better, something they have been missing all along. Of course, this is what Jesus offers. Jesus and everything he offers is our eureka moment. Eureka, I found it. Hallelujah. So says those who have given their lives to Christ. Hallelujah. I have found, found him. And my life has changed. Instead of going this way, I am now turned and going this way toward God. And Jesus makes all that possible. I do know with grand assurance that the wrong of my life is forgiven all because of Jesus. I know that I have been water washed and spirit born. I am a new creation in Christ. Eureka, I found him. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, as always, we thank you for the offer of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that Christ offers. We thank you that through him, we are able to know the forgiveness of sins. Just now, we pray that you move, that the power of your spirit works to convict and to conjole, to, to bring us to the place of repentance of turning toward you. And as we repent, as we uh, seek to confess, may it be that we uh, know the freedom of forgiveness. Lord God, we, uh, we thank you for the great gift that is Christ and all that he means for our lives. God, we... Uh, we pray that we remember the waters of our baptism. We pray that uh, we uh, live as those who are indeed water washed and spirit born. Thank you, Lord, for making all of this possible through Christ. 
this prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.